What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey, welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel, joined by Matt Eddy. Uh, it's Matt Eddy's time of year, Matt. You've been uh, cranking out the charts and graphs for us. Uh, classification All-Star team, minor league All-Star team. Uh, you, you've steered the ship on those two, so we're going to talk a lot about those clubs this year uh, in this podcast. And, of course, we're leading off with our minor league player of the year, which truly is a staff um, decision. It's not a vote. I do run a benevolent d- dictatorship here at Baseball <laughs> America. Um but Matt, we let's let's start right there. Obviously, Yoan Moncada was our choice. Uh, hopefully, a lot of you watched it on MLB Network. Ben Badler and uh, Mike Hazen talking about Moncada. And, and Matt, I would say a month ago, yeah, we've been in early August. We had a leader in the clubhouse. It was Alex Bregman, and after the Futures game and the way that he'd started in AAA, he was certainly the leader on this. But when he got called up so early that it seemed like, wait a minute. This guy's not going to qualify for like the minor league batting title, or well, has a you know. So if he played this little amount of time in the major leagues, he wouldn't qualify for anything. When that happened, we don't have a hard and fast rule about that, but it certainly opened things up, right? Yeah, I would say so. You know, Bregman fam- notoriously struggled when he first got to Houston, and actually his last week or so at Fresno was not so hot either, right? But I, I think the biggest strike against him was what you said, just merely. Qualifying for the batting title in the minor leagues would have gone a long way. Yeah, I think we, I, I think we were, as we were doing our final meeting, he was two for thirty-six. Like right when we had that meeting, he was really struggling in the major leagues. Conversely, we had David Dahl, the Rockies, who was like on a seventeen-game hitting streak to start his big league season after his big league career. After just, I mean, I know it's the Pacific Coast League, but he laid waste to the Pacific Coast League. Like in a midi, he got medieval on the Pacific Coast League's took us. After a good, but not superlative, I was a very good double-A season, but with a road team that played no home game, so high degree of difficulty. And with no spleen. And with no spleen, that's right. Who needs a spleen? <laughs> if you're David Dahl, you don't need, who needs a spleen? No spleen. Um, but it, so we had these, those two things in play. We had Andrew Benintendi who just got in contact with the big leagues. Mm-hmm. We had Francisco Mejia as we were doing that meeting. We're on the cusp of his 50-game, at the end of his 50-game hitting streak. We were dealing with a lot of different stuff. We had candle, Somebody needed candlesticks for, uh, to make a nice gift. Somebody else needed a bucket of chicken to take off the hex. I mean, we were, we were dealing, dealing with a lot of serious stuff. Yeah, it was a good year. We had a lot of good position player candidates. Right. Contrasted with last year when we kind of said, oh, well, maybe this pitcher isn't such a bad choice. And we, we took Blake Snell, who makes us look good this year, I think. I agree. Um, and it was really Snell versus Reed last year. And... AJ Reed of the Astros. Uh, yeah, AJ, and that, that was a tough one. Um, this year's was tough as well, um, because I think any of those guys we just mentioned, I think we wouldn't have been bad to have Francisco Mejia as our minor league player of the year. I think Benintendi would have been cromulent. Yeah. I think David Dahl would have been a good choice. I think Bregman would have been a good choice. I think they're all all stars. But I think Yoan Moncada was the best choice. 
And I guess the big reasons why are some of the obvious ones, A, that uh, experience level, age, um, he came very close to dominating, His, was among the top leaders in, in the minor leagues, if, especially if you go with the weighted ones created, um, kind of an OPS plus kind of measurement. He was in the top 10 in the entire minor leagues. And part of that was that he played more than 100 games in the minors. The other part of it, though, Matt, he impacted the baseball when he hit the ball this year. I know that there's a contact issue. Right. This guy drew a lot of walks and hit for power. Yeah. And then stole a ton of bases. I, from what I could tell, he was second in the minors in isolated slugging among middle infielders. Behind That's a only, good thing. Behind only Travis Demerit. Of, hmm. the, of the Braves. Who was at High Desert for half the year. Correct. And who just, that's all he does. Right. Whereas right. Mokata draws walks, steals bases, uh, plays second and third base to varying degrees of adequacy. Right. <laughs> but I think, the re- you know, we, there's kind of a sense that we're second-guessing ourselves because he wasn't ready for the majors. Correct. The Red Sox called him up. He got exposed. Right. But he'll be back next year. I think he'll definitely be back next year. I really get I think it's really just... To me, the simple definition of what we're looking for in a minor league player of the year right. is best minor league season by a prospect. So the caveat there is minor league season. And I, I keep reminding people of these podcasts, I'm old. So I've done this, I've gone through a lot of these negotiations and these uh, meetings. And this reminds me a lot of 2004 in that David Wright had a great 80 so games in the minor leagues. And that's kind of like Bregman, but. Moncada spent 30 more games in the minor leagues, and it's best minor league season. Bregman had a better year, but he didn't play. He barely played half the season in the minor leagues. So of the guys who played minor league seasons, uh, I really think Moncada's season, not far off from Bregman's, he played more in the minor leagues. I really do like the guys to qualify. So um, I don't think what Moncada's done in September uh, colors my impression of him at all. I do have questions about his contact rate. Um because I, you know, any player who strikes out 127 times and whatever 460 or odd plate appearances that he had, it's concerning. It's not disconcerting for me though, is it? For you, Matt, do you feel it's going to no. preclude him being a star? You know, initially it, it, it was a factor, but if you just look at recent history, our last two players of the year to strike out excessively were Chris Bryant right. and Will Myers. Exactly. I think you would take those guys on your team. I just was uh, going to say, when I was talking about strikeout rate, the first guy I thought of was Chris Bryant struck out a lot in the minor leagues. And as a major league rookie, but he's improved this year. Absolutely. Significant. Uh, nine percentage points better strikeout rate this year from 30% down to down to 21. What, 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 in your mind, what is your upside for Yoel Moncada? What kind of player do you see him being? I mean, he's one of your class, one of the guys you love. His power speed number is going to be very power high. Power speed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the power speed number. It's an old Bill James he, number. He pre- he presents a very interesting profile because a switch hitting, right? Probably third baseman for the Red Sox in the context of that team, with power and who runs. I mean, who is like that? I know. There, really, there's he's he, like a switch hitting Cano who can run potential. He's like Sean Figgins plus hundred pounds <laughs> and plus twenty five home runs. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting. <laughs> I don't know. You know what, what is he? That is that does make him unique. I'm trying to think back through my Stratomatic and Status Pro <laughs> baseball cards. There's just so few switch-hitting corner infielders, I think. It kind of throws you. I mean, Caminiti, Chase Headley in the Ch- last Chase Headley, 30 yes. years. This guy's slightly... He's about as swole as peak 96 Caminiti, only <laughs> he runs... Only he's doing it at age 21 as opposed to age 31, and he's, you know, he's really fast. What What is the grade on the run, do you think? Is it a 70? Is it an 80? It's, well, it sounds like it's a 70 runner. And the other thing is that, that in the fine story that Ben Badler did in the last edition of, uh, issue of the magazine, that's also at BaseballAmerica.com, um, talked about the ease with which he steals bases. If you look at the leaders, the top minor league leaders, he had the fewest caught stealings of any of the, the guys in the top five, with the exception of one, I forget who it was, who went 49 for 52, which is pretty epic. Uh, I'll have to look that up since we have the magic of the internet here. Um, but I, I thought that... So he didn't just steal bases, he stole them fairly efficiently, especially with his peer group. I think he's going to make an impact with stolen bases. But think about the Red Sox. You signed Dustin Pedroia to this eight-year contract like they did a couple of years ago. And after that, you come up with Betts and Moncada. Right. Both guys who seem best suited for second And Xander Bogarts could probably play second, too, if you oh, yeah. had the team aligned differently. Yeah, so 
if Boston had uh, half the success developing pitchers that it's had with hitters lately, you'd feel pretty good about that organization. I feel pretty good about it anyway, but that's that's really been incredible to see them come up with the, those impactful uh, position players. And, 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 oh, put three of them at the same position. And it's funny, that was kind of the criticism of the Cubs, like before last season, you know. We see all these hitters on the horizon. Oh, yeah. Where's the pitching going to come from? But but they have found it. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a whole other podcast. The Kyle yeah. Hendricks podcast, for sure. We're doing this the day after he you know, hit the Cardinals for eight innings. And then Country Joe West inserted himself in the, into the proceedings after a, what a clown car. <laughs> what a clown show that was. Oh, my gosh. Um, so Baseball America podcast with John and Matt. I have to recalibrate myself after mentioning Joe Country Joe West. Um, let's go over our minor league all-star team, Matt, because I, I think each of these guys deserves a little something. Um, our first team catcher was Francisco Mejia. I thought was a uh, an easy choice. Whereas our second teamer is Chance Cisco, not pictured. Gary Sanchez again really did more of his damage. Had a more impressive time in the major leagues compared to what he did in AAA, right? Yeah, sure. It, it would have to be. I mean, he was yeah. he was incredible for a couple of weeks in the majors. It was kind of epic. But this, I feel like Mejia and uh, Cisco, those are pretty legit prospects. Catchers who are this good offensively, all they have to do is just, as long as they just can stand back there and block the ball and have a decent left hand, these guys are going to be regulars for a while, aren't they? Yeah. And they're, they're a different family than yes. Sanchez. You know, Sanchez is your strong arm, power hitting catcher. Sanchez is a, so these, the classic profile for yeah. a catcher. Power bat, power arm. Whereas these guys are a little more nuanced hitters. Don't have anywhere near that power. Yeah, and Mejia has got a bigger arm than Cisco. Yeah, um, and I just think that you know hit hit streaks are kind of fluky. I get it; they aren't necessarily they don't necessarily evaluate ability, but it does tell you this guy has a knack for the barrel. Yeah, um, and I you know you have to be so impressed with that level of consistency and the degree of difficulty to go from Lake County, then to get promoted to high class A, almost get traded. Go to the West Coast for the Futures game, then come back east, and all those things to to stay consistent at the plate. Well, Andy's catching most days. Yeah, Andy has two swings. Yeah, exactly. Andy's a switch hitter, so his degree Andy, of difficulty helps. That he doesn't walk very much, though. There's that. You don't you don't walk your way to a hitting streak. <laughs> Francisco Mejia did not do that. We also had a, a real challenge at first base, uh, Matt, because we have Reese Hoskins as our first team first baseman, and then we have this kind of cluster of double A first baseman slash first base outfielders who are similar, diff, dissimilar players, but similarly ranked prospects. And Dominic Smith, Rowdy Telez, Jake Bowers. But Rowdy Telez and Reese Hoskins, for me, first base is about power. And these were the two best power-hitting first basemen in the Eastern League. And Reese Hoskins is a little older, but what a dominant season at Reading. Yeah, 38 home runs, second in the minors. This is a guy who produced power just ever since he joined the system, or at least since he played full-season ball. Yeah. Lakewood was a, a challenge, and he hit for power there. Kind of a fifth-round steal. He, Cody Ballinger, we should mention, too. Right. Duh. Yeah. He's in AAA. Hope, I hope I get to see him in the AAA championship game next week. Yeah. These guys were all... Uh, no offense, El Paso. Varying degrees of, uh, of, of uh, consideration for this. Yeah. And Rowdy Tellez, I think Rowdy Tellez is a little undersold with his season at, at New Hampshire. That's an organization... Good season. That, yeah. That, that organization wants to be conservative with their players, and Telez kind of forced their hand as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old to go to double-A? But if you were drafting a team, I think I would take Bellinger and Bowers ahead of him. Yes, I would agree. But And, and Dominic Smith, maybe. That's a tough one. That's a tougher one. But, yeah, just in the context of performance this year, yep. Telez was the man. Yep. Yeah, I thought he was very good. And, uh, and, you know, the Blue Jays' system's actually not as bad as I thought it was after all the trades they made last year. Ozzy Albies is our second team, second baseman after Yoel Moncada. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a real challenge at third base as well. I know I'm kind of glossing over Ozzy Albies. Uh, good luck to him with his uh, broken right elbow, but I'm breezing over him. He was in your Southern he'll, he'll be, You'll read more about Ozzy Albies and such stories as the Southern League top 20 prospects. For sure. Um, he'll, be, he'll be high on there, won't he? He sure will. If you can't tell, Matt likes middle infielders, <laughs> but I think we all do. Um, but third baseman, that's an interesting, yeah, this, challenging this is position. A tough one, yeah. Uh, we went with Ryan Healy as our first team choice, and then we had a million guys to choose at second base. We wound up going Hunter Dozier. It's the it's the Hunter era. We're not proud. If Bregman had <laughs> if Bregman had started more games at third in the minors, I would have picked him. Yeah, but I, I, he only played like ten ten starts at third base in the minors. 
I didn't realize it was that many, to be honest with you. Okay. I mean, the fact that he's shifted to third base so easily in the big leagues, another kind of... But, the, you know, a lot of these great players have done this. I remember yeah. Miguel Cabrera doing it in the outfield for, like, what, two games before the Marlins called him up? Yeah. Uh, these kind of things do... Uh, the great players can handle it. It takes great makeup and it takes baseball IQ. Those are two things that Bregman has for sure. Obviously, Bregman was the star of the Futures game in a lot of ways. Moncada was the MVP. But Ryan Healy was impressive in that Futures game, Matt. And he's another guy who had a really good regular season, but he's also continuing in the big leagues. It didn't hurt. That big league performance didn't that, – was that a tiebreaker almost here with him and Hunter Dozier? Or did, did he just have a better season in the minor leagues? Yeah, uh, Healy concentrated more value when he was in the minors. I think Dozier has better accumulative, cumulative stats because he spent more time in the minors. But. Right. I don't know, that was a toss-up. You could, it was. You, you could take Hunter Dozier if you want. And if Matt Chapman hadn't hit maybe 240 with so many strikeouts, we would have taken him probably. He was yeah. third in the minor leagues on home in runs, In terms correct? of ceiling, yeah. I think he, he's probably up there at the top. And it sounds like some of the scouts in the Texas League think, you know, he's so good defensively. The, the defensive scouting reports on him sound like early career Ryan Zimmerman. Like wow. easy arm strength. He probably has a better arm than Ryan Zimmerman. Really good athlete and good enough to play at shortstop if you really wanted him to. But a gold glover at third base. So, and in 10, 12 years, take a look over, over first base and you'll find him there. Yeah, just it's so disquieting to see what kind of player Ryan Zimmerman has become. It's really amazing. With his 314 at bats, Alex Bregman is our first team shortstop. Yep. That's a great stat line, but 314 at bats, again, just kind of looking at it, shocks me that he played. He was just, it shocked me that he was so good that he got caught with the big league so quickly. And then another guy who's just tearing up the big leagues, Trey Turner's our second team or at shortstop. Boy, that's a tough one, Matt. Who you got long-term? Because this, uh, this year it's clearly Bregman was better. But who's your long-term choice there? Better career, Alex Bregman, Trey Turner. I think it comes out of the hit tool, doesn't it? Do you think, like, think who, who's, who's more of a profile shortstop for you? I mean, Turner looks the part, but I think Bregman probably is a better shortstop. And, of course, those guys were teammates with the college national team in 2013. Bregman is a freshman. Turner's a sophomore. Bregman was the better guy that summer. He was the better shortstop, and he was a year younger. Um, I think I'd give a slight edge to Bregman on future career. And Boy, you know I love Trey Turner. So, But but Alex, Bregman's hitting ability, I just think, is just so pure. Okay, yeah. I think that's the tiebreaker. I mean, Turner has surprising power. Yeah, he's... Obviously, he's the better runner. He is so wiry strong. I think people undersell him. But I always remember the NC State kids telling me, like, the first day of of, of practice uh, when he was a freshman, and he came in, and they were doing conditioning drills. Like, those box jumping drills, like, where you see Mike Trout jump on top of this box from, like, a standing position, where it's like, holy crap, where's that coming from? Like, Turner was doing those... And he was outlifting everybody, and he was hmm. super wiry. He looked like a bat boy, and he was outlifting half their team as a true freshman. He has. I might take Turner then. His strength has always been undersold, and uh, he's got pop. He's got real pop. So. An honorable mention here to the Rays, Willie Adamas. Another great year. The Mets, Ahmed Rosario. Yeah, I'd probably count those others. That I'm forgetting right now. Those, but this is a we we could have gone three teams deep if we were <laughs> if it was college. I would have made you go three teams deep. David Dahl, we've mentioned him as our first team center fielder. But I think Matt, we do need to just touch on with with Andrew Benintendi, our second team center fielder. Those two guys are both really good. If either of these guys were a minor league player of the year, it wouldn't be a shocker. Like Benintendi, the only thing mess, missing from his resume is home runs. Basically, I was just gonna say, have we ever had a player with single-digit home runs win the Player of the Year award. He has nine. Three. I don't he, know. Might, might, maybe with, uh, uh, what's his name, Greg Jeffries. You didn't see Mike Marshall in Albuquerque with nine home runs. No, you didn't. Absolutely not. That's our, is that our second minor league player of the year the or first, first? First or second, yeah. I think he was the first one. Early, early 80s, yeah. Um, but David Dahl, like what we wrote, must stay healthy to deliver an all-star caliber talent. He delivered this year, so... Pretty exciting. The, the Rockies, to me, are a little sneaky good story. They've been on the fringe of the wild card all year. They have an outside shot at finishing at 500. They're six games under 500 right now. I don't think it's going to happen, but they aren't going to lose 90 games either. That's progress for the Rockies. <laughs> yeah, how is Jeff Hoffman, Doug? Jeff Hoffman in the big leagues? Well, Jeff Hoffman is going to rank pretty high in our Pacific Coast League top 20, I can tell you that, um, having done a little bit of the reporting for that. But 0-3, oh, uh, 560 ERA and more walks and strikeouts, it's a, it's, a, it's a struggle for Jeff Hoffman so far in the big leagues. 
But they've gotten nice progress out of John Gray this year. Uh, yeah. Fits and starts. But the stuff is certainly there. It's playing like frontline stuff. And you know, he, I think he's had a nice year this year. Chad Bettis had a nice year for them this year. You look at their starting pitching, it's actually been cromulent. It's it's kind of surprising that starting pitching is not the problem. Yeah, so so for me, the positive year for the Rockies. I, I'm I'm enthused. I'm not even a Rockies fan, but I'm like uh, encouraged by the Rockies for some reason. I I like their team the way it is right now. Have you um, met Have you met a Rockies fan in the wild before? You know, I don't think I ever have. I mean, not who not who wasn't in the media. It's rare. You know, Tyler Mon of MILB.com is from Denver. And I met him in Omaha this year where he was just there as a fan, but he works in the media. So I'm not, I'm not counting him. Um, Eloy Jimenez and Tyler O'Neill. I would not have picked either of these guys, but especially Eloy Jimenez to be on our end of season yeah. minor league all-star team. Man, that was a pretty big breakout year for him. Yeah. It, it, two right-handed hitting corner outfielders. Power plays. Right. Absolutely. With and, Jimenez, you're projecting a little bit because he had 14 and 14 home runs. Yeah, the 40 doubles portends the future power. And I'm just impressed by a guy who's that young and supposedly that raw who didn't strike out 100 times. Yeah. You know, that really stood out to me that he didn't strike out 100 times. Um, and then Dylan Cousins is our DH, mainly because you hit 40 home runs. I don't care how crazy your home roots, excuse me, splits are. you got to be on the first team somewhere. You know? Yeah, he's he's a prospect. And DH is probably the best spot for him to, to, to be. Brandon Nimmo, Kristen Stewart, and Mitch Haniger are our second team guys. You seem fascinated by Mitch Haniger. Am I, am I correct in that assumption? Well, he, he had a great second half of the year. It's, it's hard to say. You know, he's quoted as saying he's, he changed his approach. Right. To hit for more power, you know. I guess it's only natural to say that when you actually do that. You know, he's, he's struggled in the major league so far. Correct. I don't know. He, I, is, I, a, he is a diamondback. <laughs> I did. <laughs> That was that was a pure statistical pick. I mean, the thing with Mitch Haniger is, you know, I've had a lot of scouts tell me over the years, and I'll repeat it here, that Larry Lee at Cal Poly is one of the best hitting coaches on the West Coast, if not the best hitting coach on the West Coast. If, like, if you're, a, if they were, these, these scouts have said this to me in different ways, but one way one guy said it to me recently is, if I had a kid who was a hitter, a position player, and I wanted him to learn to hit, I'd send him to Cal Poly and let him play for Larry Lee, because that guy really doesn't cookie cut, and he's a really good hitting coach. So you have had guys like Grant Desmi, Mitch Haniger, uh, Mark Mathias. There's one other Cal Poly hitter I'm blanking on. Mathias was drafted high by the Indians last year. But Desmi was a guy who his first year in pro ball struggled, then his second year broke out. Haniger had some success, then some struggles. Um, but this year certainly, I mean, I know it's Reno, but he destroyed Reno. Yeah. And he controlled the strike zone at double-A, so... Yeah. I feel like, and he was a supplemental first-round pick. Right. There's something there with Mitch Hanner. I'm just not quite sure how much. Yeah, the Diamondbacks got him and Anthony Banda in the same trade. Kind of that good, that kind works. Of good move. That would probably wind up being two of their top ten guys because it's not a uh, not a good farm system. Matt, which minor league pitcher, and we didn't have great years by minor league pitchers this year. If a minor league pitcher, if you had to pick one of these as the best year by a minor league pitcher, who would it be? We have Chance Adams, who's on our first team. We have Steven Gonsalves of the Twins, Chance Adams of the Yankees organization, Mitch Keller of the Pirates organization, Brock Stewart out of the Dodgers, and then minor league strikeouts leader Brandon Woodruff of the Brewers. If you had to pick one of those guys. We're talking about the best year or the who am I on my team? Best year this year. Okay. That's uh, a tough one. Yeah, it really is. Because, like, for me... Who did it at the highest level, you know? You're kind of mixing and matching all those things. It's like, best like like best uh, components of an ERA, who actually had the best performance, at what level. It, it's a hard question. Because Adams and Stewart probably were the best performers right. in the high minors. And I think the best stuff and probably the highest upside is Keller. Right. I think Keller's the best prospect of this group. I agree. You know... I almost, How about you? Like for me, I would actually say the best season looks like Brock Stewart to me. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of him as a minor league player of the year candidate, but uh, got to the big leagues. ERA under two when he pitched at Rancho and then Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Those are not pitcher's parks. Any of them, right? Like Tulsa's probably right in the meat of the curve of the Texas League, yeah. right? Yeah, I would say they're all Fairly neutral for the leagues they're in. But, but they're in offensive leagues. Yeah. So um, 
His strikeout to walks insane, 9.6 strikeouts per nine, 1.4 walks per nine. Microscopic whip of .88. I think he probably had the best year. And he's one of the least experienced pitchers of this group as yeah. well. So he and Chance Adams, I think, had the two best seasons. I would give him a slight edge for degree of difficulty. So, so for me, I think the best season was Brock Stewart. But I definitely think of our first team guys, Keller and Gonsalves have the highest upside. And Gonsalves is really, really freaky pitcher, basically. He is, yeah. You know, if you're a right-hander, you would write him off as having poor control. That's right. But he's a left-hander walking three and a half per nine. So he's, yeah, maybe he's got a shot. There's the, the bar is certainly lower for him to surmount. You know, 3.7 per nine, but 10 strikeouts per nine, 179 opponents average. And he was so consistent in double-A. He had like is, one or two bad starts otherwise. He was these, ratio, these ratios hold over the past two seasons, actually. Right. If you go back to, to 15, it's, it's like a two ERA over... Two seasons worth of innings. And he's always hard to hit. And he basically does it with a fastball and changeup. And the fastball's like right around 90 miles an hour. Yeah. So he is going to be one to watch going forward. And again, I think I've said this a few times. I can't imagine a pitcher more desperately needed by an organization. (laughs) (laughs) And you just pick any pitcher in the Twins system. But they're so desperate for a pitching overhaul. Um, Whether it's Gonsalves, Cole Stewart, Tyler J. Felix Jorge, I forget the other pitcher at Fort Myers. Romero. Romero. Fernando Romero. Fernando Romero. It's like, somebody please pitch in Minnesota so that you know Joe Maurer can go to a playoff game again sometime in his career. <laughs> um, our second teamers were Luis Castillo, Josh Hader, Herman Marquez, Yoander Mendez, and Sean Reed Foley. Again, Matt, this is breakout season central on the second team. Like. Reed Foley was a high draft. was pretty bad last year when he got to high A. Yeah. Mendez, huge breakout season. Finished the year in the big leagues after starting in high A. Um, and then Herman Marquez, Josh Hader, Luis Castillo. All the, especially well, Castillo and Marquez, really big breakout seasons. Yeah, those first three guys all traded as well as, as prospects. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Castillo, Hader, and Marquez. That's right. Castillo, yeah. He, I first noticed him in the first half because he was had an exceptional strikeout rate at, uh, at Jupiter. In the first half, and then right. we backed it up. It's like, oh, this guy throws 100. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there's something here. There's something there. Um, and I just got a great report on his makeup by a Florida State League source yesterday, uh, trying to corroborate that just about, you know, just uh, the work ethic and the consistency between starts and, uh, you know, good teammate, these kind of things. And it's a golden arm. I mean, uh, so pretty fortunate for the Marlins to have held on to him in that Colin Ray trade where they almost lost him. Yeah. Um, Classification All Stars, Matt. I love to ask you about classification All Stars. Is this fun to put together, or is this torture for you to put together? Because <laughs> you do it for six different yeah. classifications. Full season leagues are fun because that's <laughs> right. The the performances are more meaningful. I, I think you know it. It means something to perform in a full, full season league for five months. You know, right? Or for however long you're there. You're really not missing anybody in the upper levels. It's pretty easy to to find these guys. Uh, in the upper levels, and it's really apples to apples when you're doing PCL guys to PCL guys. A little tougher to make the translation PCL to IL, isn't it? I mean, you could really load this whole team up with PCL guys stat-wise, couldn't you? Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> At the AAA classification. Yeah, so balance is the key. Try to try to get some guys who, in their league context, stand shoulder to shoulder with those PCL guys. Is the most surprising person on here? Uh, for me, for you, a Yandy Diaz, or, like, or is it a Dan Vogelbach? I mean, like Dan Vogelbach had a great Triple A year. Um, was traded in the middle of it, obviously from Iowa to um, to Tacoma. Yeah, and Josh Bell also had a case of the Pirates system. Pirates at first base. Uh, well, Yandy Diaz was the most surprising. Maybe he shouldn't be though, because he's he's performed for a couple of years now. I think I saw him last year with Columbus in the Triple A championship game. I believe he finished. I think the year so. Yeah, there. Zachary so. until the end. Yeah. Okay. I'll just join it in if y'all didn't mind. Okay, no, I don't mind. We're, we're, we're JJ's the, here. We're the classification all-star standpoint of it. And uh, J.J. Cooper has joined us uh, off of scout call. Uh, we, we, we've got, Most of these double-A guys made our overall teams. I love that you snuck Cody Bellinger into the second team oh, oh, outfield. outfield yeah. After we talked about him at first base. Yeah. That is a John Manuel Allen Simpson College all-freshman <laughs> team move if I ever saw one. How many well, games did he play in the outfield? About 20. And he's, and he's, oh, wow, counselor. And he was playing more later in the year. So. And, and, and he played center. I mean, this is not a yeah. guy who you're, you know, he's played everywhere in the outfield. He's no this Jake thing. Bowers when it comes to 1B slash OF. That's right. That's right. I, I love that you stuck him there. 
And, J.J., we already talked about Matt Chapman a little bit. We could have stuck him at shortstop, it sounds like. <laughs> you could have. I mean, he's legitimately – this is not a guy, when you put him at shortstop, that you say, what is this guy doing here? But it works out very well in this because you got Willie Adames, who uh, – Yeah. A very interesting – Chiwe Hu! Chiwe Hu! I love the second team because Chiwe Hu, definitely one of the breakout prospects of this season. And then uh, Chase DeJong. Oh, I forgot about Chase DeJong. That guy? Oh, yeah, another Dodger prospect. What What the Blue Jays? Uh, uh, that was international that money so that's that right. they could sign Vlad Guerrero Jr. That's what it was. That's right. And, like, they could, use, trade, they could use Chase DeJong. Yeah, but that trade may work out okay for both sides. It might. But, I do love Vlad Jr. This is a little troubling here. The home run rate. Yeah. Indeed. DeJong or DeJong is a, uh extreme fly ball pitcher. Ooh. He's known to give up home runs. Alejandro Tresine, who was our uh, reliever on this team, Great that dude popped up for the first time about five years ago. He had <laughs> an absolute monster AZL. Hmm. It was one of those strikeout-to-walk ratios where you look at it. If you click the player finder, you'll see. Like, I mean, It's like one of those like where you looked at it and you went, okay, is this actually accurate or is this inaccurate? But he's a, a really kind of a right-hander who's really a, a really good change-up guy. Yeah, 34 strikeouts and seven walks. And 34 strikeouts and 22 innings is pretty good. <laughs> you know, he, he's a fastball change-up guy. The change-up's always been really good. And it is, like, he spent a long time in Dayton. But it was really kind of cool to see him go to double-A and still have success. Yeah, and 10.8 strikeouts per nine for the career. I believe he led the minors in, in saves with 30. I think that's the no. Um, I think that's uh, the, somebody had 31. There was a guy. There's, it's a vet. It's a kind of James like, Hoyt. No, it's a it's a guy who's not really that much of a prospect. It's kind of the, the I don't believe that. The the the, <laughs> the the very typical. I hate to say it, but if there is a if there is a minor league category you do not want to lead, that's the one. Saves is the one. The logic being Matt Karasidi is the correct yes. answer, and I'm the not, reason I'm I say the minors of holds. Sorry, but the re- <laughs> the reason I say that is is that, and we've talked about this, is that if you lead the minors in saves, what that means is is that you got saves all year. If you did that and you were putting up a really good year, anywhere of Double A AA or Triple A, you're going to get called up to the big leagues. Right. Matt Kiris, he got a St. John's of memory serves. Yes. I think, I, I think I've looked him up before. Yes, he, he throws he throws reasonably. He did make the big leagues, but it's, right. been, like, it's been brief, right. briefly in the big leagues. And then high A, I think the big surprise here is uh, our boy Thomas Nito, uh, Florida. FSL uh, batting champ. Yeah, a Florida high school prep, a Puerto Rican kid who moved to Florida. And Florida State League batting champion, that was a big sh- surprise Anthony Santander, that was a pretty big year for Anthony Santander. Yeah, I don't know for if I'm sure. pronouncing his name right. He's <laughs> it's fun to say Santander. Scouts like Anthony Santander. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a prospect now. You know, that was a, I mean, that's a great, that Lynchburg team, you want to talk about a fun team to watch. You know, you had Santander, you had Bobby Bradley on that team, and guy who does not because he split time. Yeah. But you also had obviously Francisco Mejia finishing team, up his first team all uh, all minor league catcher. Right, and Chang played for that team too, correct? Yes, Yu Chang Chang. Uh, you know, shortstop. Yeah. I mean, it, that was a really good team. Yeah, really fun team. And your high A pitchers. This was tougher. Um, yeah. You could just go all Florida State League. I do love though where you have Castillo with his two hundred seven ERA and Castellani with his three eight one ERA, but. It's about a push when you yeah. really do park factors and league factors. There. And look, Castellini is a 20-year-old in the Cal League who threw 168 innings. It's really interesting. That's unbelievable. Th- this is something. Kirk- I- and Kirkton. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is a story, you know, that I'm working on. You know, I've got too many stories I'm working on. But the, the, the difference between innings limits now and pitch limits, like a guy like Mike Soroka we were talking about, yeah. who's now up to 100 and 56 innings, I think and it he's, is. And he's just turning 19. Most of the year, this was his age 18 season. This but, was a 17-year-old draft team. But he also was going six innings, seven innings on 74, 68, 78 pitches. And I think teams do now count pitches more than they do innings. So guys get to go deeper if they're really efficient. Meanwhile, this high team also has... Uh, doesn't fit that, though, because he did walk 50. <laughs> yeah, but he's he, he is definitely... Uh, and we relied on him in the draft, and the Rockies loved him, and he has performed very well since uh, since they got him. We have Josh Boers, who was a closer for Virginia's national championship team in 2015, converted very nicely to starting. Of course, we saw him start in the ACC tournament here in Durham last uh, May, 
and he uh, flirted with a no-hitter against Georgia Tech as a starter in his only start of the year. But I always thought he was going to be a fast track to the big leagues a la Paco Rodriguez, quick-moving college reliever. And instead, he looks like he's actually a prospect as a starter with a really good slider and a slightly retooled delivery from his UVA days. And I also love Trevor Clifton because I always call him Trevor Guns of Clifton to make a obscure and not quite real class reference. But his name sounds like Brixton. So. Jimmy Herget, a reliever on that team, also a guy who I think is a legit prospect. We talk about legit prospect reliever. Rhett's had the, the, the high A and the double A. How about that? Uh, relief pitcher on the uh, all classification team. There you go. That's, that's, that's how you start and, an organization. And I don't like it. Jeff, and, Jeff Gromp is probably handing out cigars around and, the office right now. And Ariel Hernandez does not make either of them. My, that's uh, right. my uh, personal cheese ball. My there personal was cheese one. ball, yeah. Um, Mercedes, bat. did he have the best year by a catcher, non-Mejia or Cisco? He, did, he, he was better than Mejia, technically. We, he's also we haven't, we haven't triangulated his prospect status yet. We don't think... He's anywhere near that good. I, I'm, I'm, right now, he's not going to make the Sally Top 20 yeah. and yeah. hit 353 this year. So With yeah. power. Hit a nice fun. year. Yeah. I'm at least asking about him. I'll put it that way. Brian Mundell, thir- a minor league record, 58 doubles. What does the minor league record, modern minor league record, 58 doubles, mean to you, Matt Andy? <laughs> uh, you, better, you can say nothing. You better play in a good hitter's park. That doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. And, and it is still amazing to me, though. We're talking in the past 50 years. Yeah. Really, what we're talking about fifty over fifty years, no one's hit more doubles in a minor league season. That is one of those stats that my jaw did drop a little bit when it, because especially this is a guy who did not ever have a propensity for hitting doubles at Cal Poly. Yeah, that number five eight, that number five eight was is startling to see on the stat sheet in one hundred forty game season. Fifty two, fifty three, fifty five, even. It's funny how like fifty eight, fifty five to fifty eight. That's that bar that really. It, Goes from being a really good year to being a record breaking. Do you know what the highest total was in the last? It was fifty five. Ten years. Say? It was fifty five. It was Zach Vegas. D a e g s was two thousand six or Lanca- seven. Of Lancaster fame. Yeah, I think it was Lancaster. So much to answer for. And then uh, Scott Sable, one of the lowest drafted players ever to make the big leagues, eighty eighth right. round pick, who had a long hitting streak in the minor leagues as well. That's right. Had a fifty five double season that year for Charleston. So I, I, I do miss and I do not miss the eighty eighth round pick. I, yes, I exactly. Where's Mitch Hillegoss figure in this? Well, exactly. Yeah, he was the history guy. Sable was the double guy. Hillegoss was the history guy. Uh, anyone else notable to you guys in this low A team? I mean, JJ, you're doing the Sally League. This, this this league was pretty split up with Sally League and the uh, Midwest League well, guys. You get the flow god there, uh, Brendan, Brendan Rogers uh, at, at DH. Who's more likely to be a big league shortstop, Isan Diaz or uh, Brendan Rogers, JJ? Because they're both thick-bodied, atypical thick-bodied shortstops. I will say that both of them will at some point play a game at shortstop in the big leagues because I have feel like I do feel like that that is something that gets overrated. Like the bar to clear to play shortstop in the big leagues is something that scouts often say, "Oh, this guy has no chance." And I've had I know in just like the last five years, guys who I've had scouts tell me, and this is not knocking scouts, they're don't he's not they're not prototypical. But I've had scouts tell me that there's no chance that Corey Seager is going to be a big league shortstop. There's no chance that Carlos Correa is going to be a big league shortstop. There are a lot of these guys who end up being, but at the same time, I don't think either of those guys ends up being a long-term big league shortstop. But those guys are both longer, leaner athletes. These guys are the squattier body Mm -hmm. type guys. and uh, I do love seeing Corey Seager do it. I I love seeing him hit, but I love seeing him play shortstop because he's doing it exactly the way I remember the Dodgers guys telling us. He's moved back. He plays deeper, and he lets his arm play. That's exactly what he does in the big leagues, um, positioning and smarts. And uh, I think that gets undersold. It's harder to scout positioning and smarts. And there's no more turf. Internal so clock. Exactly right. There's no more turf. Internal clock. All those things are. I mean, you know, uh, the internal exactly. clock is something that you. I mean, I, doing a lot of low A top twenties over the years. The internal clock is something that when it exists in a. Class A shortstop, it's notable because it exists. Not The lack of it is almost expected. But the guy Luca who Della actually... Luca Della Wall, baby. Luca Della Wall builds, builds the internal clock. I'm just but that idea, that idea of knowing how quickly I have to get rid of this and not getting caught on pit some balls where you're late because you took too much time right. or rushing a ball that you didn't need to rush, that's, that's hard to do. I think it is. 
Brian Gonzalez, Delmarva. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot to talk about here. The low A staff. <laughs> I said low A pitching, not get it it's, done. It's Patrick it's, Weigel, Mitch Keller. Hey, Mitch Keller, Nick yeah. Neider, and Patrick, Patrick Weigel. That's about it for me. I am a Joe. Um, the one thirty-one to eighteen strikeout the walk rate. I love that. Now we're into, uh, I guess we could say nut cutting time here on the short season of rookie league. These are tough. Jeremy Martinez. You know, you remember Jeremy Martinez uh, stories, right? This guy was Mr. USA Baseball as like a 14U, 16, 18U, whatever. And he has the pool hole set up. And some <laughs> scouts just crushed him this year in the draft. And some guys were like, hey, this guy's turned himself into a player. And he had a really nice pro debut. He draws a lot of walks, doesn't he? Yeah. High on base. He, he must because he has one home run. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What was the most surprising or any of these seasons really jump out to you, Matt? Well, I'm a little biased because I am – trying to meld the performance with draft status, which is a proxy for prospect status. Correct. So, Tyler Hill is a surprise. I think we would all agree. The guy yeah. out of a Delaware military academy high school. That's it. Right hand, a right, right, left fielder who won the New York Penn League batting title in the Red Sox system. Unfortunately, I could talk 30 minutes about this short season position player team only. It's, it, this list fascinates well, This is the college, well, it's also yeah. it's a fascinating list of some interesting college Guys who were college prospects very recently. It's sure. It's like for, it's Heath like Quinn, sec- Bobby sec- Dahlbeck, Nick Solak. I mean, there's a lot of these guys. I mean, to me, Bobby Dahlbeck's the guy that jumps out here because right. obviously there was a lot of talk in spring about how much better Bobby Dahlbeck looked as a pitcher than he did as a hitter. Especially in Omaha. It was in the postseason, really, because like, he, he didn't was start. A dom- he was the dominant he, ace yeah. of the postseason. He really was. I mean, he pitched like on one day's rest that was like 96 miles an hour in the seventh inning like in a regional. I mean, he was so good on the mound for Arizona. Nearly carried them to the College Series Championship. I believe he lost both the starts in Omaha, but he pitched well and deep into both games. Lost 1-1-0. One, one, and, and a year where he hit like 220-something, 230-something. In a world where he hit, he, he, struck, he, he struck out a billion times. He hit 15 home runs as a, uh, you know, as a sophomore. I believe he hit seven as a junior. We'll take a look at it. Sur- survey says seven. 260, so, so I'll, I'll sell you a little short. 260. 260 with a million strikeouts. 85 strikeouts. I think he, uh, they, they don't show it. I think he was among the national leaders in strikeouts. So then for him to go in the minor leagues and not just hit for power, hey, if he hit seven home runs in a short season, that would be like, okay, I buy that because he led the Cape the year before in home runs. 386 with power with a 300 ISO. That, I mean, because so many people kept – at you know, adding me on Twitter, like you're wrong. The Red Sox are wrong. They shouldn't hit him. They should just put him straight on the mound. And it's like, why don't you let you know he wants to hit? Why don't you let him do what the guy wants but, to do? And he can always fall back. But to this pitching. this is the part where baseball is not. I, I I'm not. I do not want to sound like someone who jumps in is like you know ah, anti stats or anything like that. But baseball is a game played by humans. If you have a human who has very clearly said over and over, I pitch because it helped my team. Right. I hit. That's why I am. I'm a hitter. If you want him even, even if he does fail as a hitter, his success rate as a pitcher is going to be much greater if he gets a chance to hit than it is if you say, no, you're a pitcher from day one. And does, force him to do it. Does the specter of Caleb Cowart loom for either of you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's interesting. That is um, the danger. Because he's, he's somebody who should try pitching again. He should try pitching it's, again, but he has constantly refused it as well. Yeah. Uh, repeatedly. So He'd rather be a utility infielder. I think the thing is, is that Dahlbeck has so much more power than Coward ever showed. I think it's different. You know? Yeah, Coward always never had a great left-handed swing. You know, I don't know. Degree of difficulty again. The switch hitting. It's just hard hard to do well. Garrett Hampson also shocks me. Because I always liked Garrett Hampson, but he did nothing offensively in three years at Long Beach State. But it is part Long Beach it, State. Part of it's this Long Beach State. And he was a little bit better this year, but you know, 23 for 31 stealing bases in the spring. And then this year to go steal 36 bags in a short season. Yeah, with a 400 on base percentage. That's pretty loud. Yeah. If he can approximate that next year over a full season, if he can give you a 350 or 360 on base with 30-plus steals next year, he's a guy because – he can play shortstop. He's not a profile shortstop in terms of arm strength again, but this guy was a top, I believe, a top 100 guy out of high school, out of Reno High School. If not top, top 100, then top, definitely top 200. 
that that was a really impressive pro debut and a very encouraging debut for the Rockies out of Gary Hampson. So I and like not, that. Not only that, but it it is amazing how many Long Beach guys struggle because it is very, very, very difficult to hit there. Correct. And then end up being solid professional hitters. There are a lot of big league dirt bags. There's no doubt there are a lot of big big league dirt bags. Joey Lucchese also just had this monster college season. Now I had a monster start to his pro debut. 53-2, to two, is that good for strikeout the walk? I think that's okay. Yeah. I will say that that's happened before with Padres guys. What was the guy named Phil Maton? Phil Maton, yeah. And there was someone else in that team who had some crazy strikeout to walk rates that year with Phil Maton. I'll have to go back and look that one up. But Tristan McKenzie and Dylan Cease, those are the big names on the short season list. High-drafted high school pitchers, Yeah. Um, and they both really dominated, I, man. I like Harold Gonzalez a little bit, too. There's something there. Uh, well, something. there's something. That, that, this is Brooklyn. Isn't that a pretty good pitcher's yeah, park? Yeah, talking with Mike Lanana, I think I think he, he has two pitchers ahead of him on that team, from that team. So there's there's something there with the – but I, I definitely think Dylan Cease probably is the most talked-about short-season sixth-round pitcher just because it's the Cubs, how <laughs> much money he got, and he throws 100, and you can use Cease fire as a headline <laughs> all the time. Um, I haven't been mentioning this, but Heath Quinn, our short-season player of the year, Tristan McKenzie, short-season pitcher. It is kind of cool to see that Heath Quinn was considered one of the best bats in this draft. Uh, you know, And that was really what he was. I mean, he was a bat. Yes. And he lived up to it. He so is much. still a bat. I agree. <laughs> we'll see if we can do anything else. Um, rookie, Our rookie-level teams, wrapping this up, some big names, some long names. I'm looking at you, Miguel Angel, so you Sierra, one name. Who's a big name? And then an unusual name in Mabris Valoria, J.J. Cooper's. Uh. Mabris may as well be like uh, Spanish for personal cheese ball <laughs> when it comes down to it. I mean, can Mabris catch, J.J.? That's one question. He threatened the Gary Rita's 420 uh, batting. Uh, tailed off, tailed off in August, but uh, 378, 437, 613. Even in a league where a 350 average is... Looked at as nice, but nothing uh, uh, exceptional. It's still it's still pretty pretty impressive. Uh, Valoria as a catcher, I would say, right now the general reviews are that he tries really hard. He <laughs> really, he works at it really hard, and guys like that you give him a chance. But I mean, he still has a ways to go. I know he spells it differently, but I also give him kuda, uh, extra points for having a name that sounds like a uh, Pixie song. Pixie song, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> How about Ronnie Gideon, your first baseman? Part-time <laughs> player. Part-time player for three years at Texas A&M because his defense was so bad. Yikes. Son of a big league, of a minor league manager, Ron Gideon. Long-time minor league manager, I believe usually in the Rockies organization. So Ron Gideon, in three years, Ronnie Gideon had 13 home runs at Texas A&M. 16 bombs at Helena. Is that the, can we give that the Ryan O'Hearn Award? It like, is kind it of is, Ryan O'Hearn. the Ryan O'Hearn Award for the guy who never hits for power in college and then immediately hits for power BB in Core, I spit on you. <laughs> I spit on thee. Um, Lupe Chavez, I like Lupe Chavez. Sixto Sanchez, I guess, is really the story of the rookie ball because Sixto Sanchez didn't just have a 0-50 RA. He did it with like a 94 to 97 mile an hour fastball. Where and I touched had a, higher than that. Touched, t- touched 100. I had a scout tell me it was the easiest velocity he'd seen out of someone that small. I think he complimented Craig Kimbrell for being small and that explosive fastball. And I unlike mean, Craig Kimbrell, he walked eight in 54 innings, too. That's like two outings Carlos, these days for Kimbrell. No, Carlos two, Martinez. That was, yeah, but Carlos Martinez is a little more physical, I think, even than Sixto Sanchez. So. Okay. So first, his name is Sixto Sanchez. Which is awesome. <laughs> Fun name. Second of all, 5 and 0, 050. I like it. I only have to use these two numbers to portray his importance as, as, as main Fives old school and stats. Fives and zeros. And then just, it sounds like the stuff is really explosive. Really uh, a potential premium prospect down the line. So I want to mention Zabucky too. Thomas, oh, yeah. Thomas Zabucky of the Mets system. More explosive stuff. Yeah, I missed on him last year. He pitched two innings after signing, but. You go back and read our draft report on him. Yeah, encouraging. It, it, this is exactly what he is as a pro. Now he had a late back injury, correct? This season, yes. Right. He moved up to Brooklyn, pitched maybe four or five starts. Now he's he's done for the year after the, that. The other one here is Alec Hansen, who we've so right now. we've chronicled um, really uh, a lot. Um, I think we you know we had a staff outing and pretty much everyone almost everyone saw him. But Matt was smart enough not to make the trip that day. <laughs> uh, we, but 70 to uh, 14, I believe, strikeout to walk. And the thing that's impressive about that is is that this is a guy who had significant control troubles throughout the vast majority of his uh, collegiate career. I yes. mean, he was showing exceptional stuff at times. And 
He did struggle a little bit more once he got to full season ball, which you would expect. But you, when a guy has stuff like that, seeing him come out and do that, I mean, for one thing, again, just looking at it from the human side, if you're Alec Hansen now, you head into the offseason feeling much, much better about yourself, your no stuff, your ability to pitch than you did when it was June and you were going, man, this I went from being a potential top five pick to a guy who couldn't stay in my rotation. Yeah, do you think that feeling will last even when he gets the letter from the White Sox saying he's going to start a Triple A Charlotte <laughs> next year? <laughs> they do move him fast. That's a good call. So the dude threw 51 and two-thirds innings in the spring with 39 walks and 51 and two-thirds innings and a 557 ERA. And then in pro ball, 44 more innings, 70 strikeouts, just 16 walks. Uh, that'll work. I, uh, I, I like seeing uh, improvement. So happy for him. Here's another extreme example from that same organization. Uh, Bernardo Flores is a left-hander out of Southern California. And you know, USC was just a, a terrible college baseball team this year. Just, they just stunk. Bernardo Flores, 41 and two-thirds innings, 670 ERA. Yes. And this is a left-hander throwing 95. And in pro ball this year, he didn't make the all-rookie all team, as he shouldn't have. But 6-1, 366, with only 12 walks and 45 strikeouts. And the left-hander with arm strength, there's something there. So the the I know that you wrote about the Giants and their draft strategy, how they, they took all of their power, troubled power arms belong to us with Garrett Williams. Well, they couldn't get him everyone because Alec they, Hansen they couldn't and Bernardo Flores slipped through. Those two guys slipped through the cracks. They may have thrown too many strikes to be Giants picks. <laughs> Um, but the Giants draft is fascinating from that standpoint. They took basically college pitchers who couldn't throw, who Matt Crook. could not throw strikes, and big body college outfielders like Brian Reynolds, Heath Quinn, and Gio Brusa. Pretty much like if you didn't fall into those two buckets, you were deplorable to them. So they, pretty, they really just didn't want you. They did want you. So I was going to squeeze bucket of deplorable in here somewhere, <laughs> and I, I was able to do it somehow. So. Uh, that's all I got. I've emptied the notebook, Matt. Did I miss anything on the, on your list of nah. guys you want to talk about? JJ, I know you missed part of the podcast. Did you have anything to say about mm. our Player of the Year award that you didn't get in earlier since you weren't here? No, it's okay. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, again, we I'm sure y'all talked about This was a tough year. It was a tough year. This we is... had a lot of candidates who were good candidates. Who um, moved too soon. We, we had some who moved too soon, and we had uh, one who did Andrew Benintendi didn't hit enough home runs. We had... Uh, David Dahl, who should have spent more time at Albuquerque. Moved, but got David Dahl moved numbers. too soon. Alex Bregman moved too soon. I wish David Dahl had played half the year in Albuquerque. That would have been yeah. cartoonish, actually. 30-30. Yeah, like in two months. He wouldn't have had enough singles to steal enough bases. But <laughs> yeah. A rollicking good podcast. This was a fun one. J.J. Barged in at the end. Matt had him coming through the whole time. I said barged. He just yeah. came on in. Great stuff for Matt, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it here at Baseball America. So for J.J. and Matt... I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.